0: This episode is brought to you by our Small Biz Shopping Directory and the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small business, your dollar goes further. We're inviting you to shop the directory and to take the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge with us. It's a commitment to make 1 in 5 of your purchases from a small business online online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most because the truth is your purchasing power matters now more than ever. When you buy from the directory, you're buying from a real
1: person. You're contributing to their family and household. You're helping them hire teams and support other businesses. You're helping them improve and build up their local communities. You're keeping the economy going through your purchasing power and you're stimulating innovation and job creation. That's why we've dedicated these episodes and created the small biz shopping directory because while most of our listeners are business owners, you
0: are all also consumers. Our goal is to shine a spotlight on small product businesses and to buy from each other. Here is what you can do to make an impact. One, take the pledge. Make the commitment to shop one in five of your purchases towards small businesses. You're using your purchasing power to change lives. Two,
1: shop the directory. Don't know where to find small businesses online? We created this small biz shopping directory to make it easy to support, shop and share small businesses. You're making a difference with your spending and it's amazing and fun. Choose from 15 incredible categories and hundreds of small online businesses to shop from.
0: 3. Share the directory. Imagine if each of us told three to four people to shop the Small Biz Shopping Directory. It would be incredible and life-changing to so many small businesses. Tell your friends, family, and social network. It costs nothing extra and makes a world of difference. Our purchases have the ability to change lives. You can take the pledge at shop1in5.com
1: and shop the directory at theproductboss.com slash shop now. So let's jump in.
0: Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to
1: my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kulositap, Amazon guru that
0: has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. And introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together.
1: Hey everybody, Jacqueline and Mina here, your co-hosts of the Product Boss Podcast. Today, we will be sharing a conversation we had with a fellow female founder. You see, we believe women helping women is what the world needs more of. Introducing our female founder episodes, where we interview fellow female entrepreneurs and highlight their small business.
0: Our goal is to shine a spotlight on product businesses to encourage our community to support each other learn from each other, buy from each other, and lift each other up. So let's jump in. So today we're really excited. We
1: have a very, very special guest on the podcast. I have been a fan of hers for a couple years now. I actually discovered this brand as I was walking around an amazing market in upstate New York. And then I discovered these products and I love them. And then we collided and crashed into each other at a create cultivate event. And from there, now we're so excited to have her on the podcast. So I'd like to welcome Virginia sin. She's the founder and creative director of sin, which is a Brooklyn based home goods company. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Oh, thanks guys. So glad that I can be a part of this.
1: We're excited to have you. We're so excited to have you on. So tell us a little bit about your brand, your products.
2: Yeah. So I am the founder and creative director at sin I started a long time ago back in 2008, but it was truly just a side hustle passion project. And it wasn't until three years ago when I quit my advertising career where I decided to pursue my dream full time. And here we are. Now I have a home goods, small business. And it's me with a team of five super talented, amazing women.
0: So tell us a little bit about your journey as a maker then. So you started in advertising, but do you have a fine arts background? How did you start making?
2: Yeah. So I went to Art Center College of Design, which is in Pasadena, California. And I studied graphic design and I had an emphasis in advertising. Art Center is very much of a like hands-on, vocational kind of school. Even though it was like a bachelor degree that you would earn, but you know we were taught and trained to just to be ready to work in the real world. So our portfolios were super buttoned up and professional. And so we had shop and all different types of equipment. And I remember as a graphic designer, my favorite. Project in class was book design, and it was because it wasn't until later I realized I just love like tangible physical objects, and there was nothing better than just being able to like book bind your own book from scratch and design the pages in it and you know learn about something you've never you know learned about before and just like make that the subject of the book, right? So that to me was so inspiring, and it wasn't until like the end of Basically, the last semester of Art Center, I realized that I maybe wanted to be a product designer. <laughs> <laughs> a little too late, and then sort of like suppressed that feeling, moved to New York, got an ad job as an art director, and just wasn't feeling super creatively inspired. And I think just working for big, big brands. And coming straight out of school, you're like, where are the fun projects? Like, And so I decided to take a ceramics class just to sort of like appease that creative appetite. And I had t- done ceramics before. I used to glaze, like color me mine type things when I was like a child. And then I took two years of ceramics actually in high school. So clay was definitely something I was like familiar with. And taking this class in Brooklyn at Show Play, I realized that this was something that I just loved doing. And so my first product was actually born at that community studio. It was the porcelain paper plate. And it got picked up by Design Sponge, which we all love grace so much. And we entered the, I entered the plate in this design within reach competition called modern design function. And from there, I really just sort of took off like stores were asking me if they could, you know, purchase them. And I was like, Oh my God, I must like probably need my own studio. And it sort of happened really organically. And I was like, Oh, I can't, you know, produce work out of this community space. So I got a shared, Space in South Fifth in Williamsburg. And that's sort of how, you know, I started making products. But I think making has always been, I think, just something that's just a part of me. Like, I love the idea of just like sketching in clay and coming up with a physical object and then firing it and then it becoming permanent. Like, there's so much joy in that and it wasn't there before. And just creating is. I don't know how to explain it. It just feels like it's part of me. Like I love cooking for that very reason. It's like, we all have to eat. So like, let's make it really good. And it didn't used to just be like a pile of tomatoes and some like dried pasta, but I think it's just like in my DNA.
1: (laughs) Such a good explanation of of transformation. We have a really similar story. What's funny enough is that I thought I was going to go into advertising. So I was always in art. I thought I was going into advertising and went to UC Santa Barbara for well, I was going to go to BU. So a whole thing. Yeah. And then when I was there, I left and I went to Otis College of Art Design. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So we oh, were like right near each other. Yes. And then I ended up getting my BFA in fashion because it was sort of the thing of, I, I thought I needed to go that route, but then I was yeah. able to make that pivot in the middle. And there is something about, I think, encouraging young people if they are artists or creative that,
2: yeah.
1: did you grow up in California? Yeah. So in
2: California. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Same. So it was always very university driven, right? Like you were supposed to go to college in certain types of colleges, but it wasn't to go into the arts. And so when I was able to make my own decision and then I was supported by my family, you know, it's, and and my son's an artist now. And I, I will encourage that because it's, we're kind of in a different time.
2: Absolutely. And I think just to build on that, like, I went to UC Irvine. Oh yeah. You see economics girls. see <laughs> and Minored in management, which is hilarious. When I look back at that for like two years, while I was like trying to figure out how to apply to design school, you know? So that was just not an option for me. Like being Asian and my parents thinking that there's only three like paths to success in life. The creative path was never an option, but it was just yeah. all in me, you know, as a child. And so, it was really great to be able to find that and actually make that decision because had I not, like I would have continued, I don't know, like becoming an economist. Like I don't <laughs> <laughs> That sounds horrific.
0: I think that all of us, even, you know, we see it in our own kids, right? What they see in their world, it's it's really opened up for what was before, especially like being also Asian, you know, it's one of those things that my last hope was they hoped I married. A pharmacist or a doctor or attorney or whatever. So uh, being in the arts was sounds like yeah. a Jewish mom, by the way, too. <laughs> yes. And a Latina mom, I'm pretty sure. So yeah. <laughs> so we all have those struggles. But I think as children we we need that. We need that tactile feeling of feeling something in our hands, exploring it, understanding it with no limitations. And we have the freedom to do that as children. And so I love that story because it's like something that's brewing and I think all of us to be creative in our own way. And it translates differently for every single person. For you, it came out in ceramics and it became this beautiful thing that it kind of forced you to listen to it after a while.
2: (laughs) Touching on our like mission statement, right? And we, Mm -hmm. then we're, Our mission is to create warmth and happiness to homes across the world by putting the fun into the functional. I had to do so much soul searching to really get to that statement. And I was like, why ceramics? Like, I really had to ask myself and do like tons of digging. And it's like, I just really love the home, I love like the comforts of a good home. And being surrounded by these things that can make me feel at home and coming from not the happiest, you know, childhood, I think my home life wasn't always like as balanced and lovely as it is now. And I think I'm sort of trying subconsciously really trying to recreate what that would be and hopefully spread that for other people in their homes. I love it.
1: And you know, honestly the pieces I have of yours, I have the I know I sound like such a fan, but
0: I actually am. <laughs> she really <laughs> is, a fan is girl over here. And I love your stuff, too. Oh. She actually has your nesting bowls, though, right? Don't the,
1: so I have the fruit bowls, mm-hmm. and when I, I bought it at field and supply. Oh, yes. And I was like, oh, I am not. I need to wear a hat because you got to look like you're from Brooklyn walking around <laughs> <laughs> this, this group. But I bought the fruit bowls and the women that were selling it to me that you had in the booth, they had shown me that you could nest the three sizes of the fruit bowls in and I could do three colors. So I have three colors nested. I bought the terracotta candle holders.
2: Oh, thank you so much. You yeah. And
1: <laughs> honestly, though, some of my favorite stuff in my house, because I also, from an art background, yeah. it's you, when you say fun, the fun part is like the, almost all you're talking about from childhood in a way that there there's these shapes that you've created that are reference shapes that we're familiar with, but then they're also imaginative and playful the yeah. way that the way that someone with like a playful attitude would maybe put something together because you guys, the fruit bowl is slatted. Like there's holes in it. It's just, I don't know how to explain it, but Mm -hmm.
2: yeah. So exoskeleton and you can see like the framework and it's all exposed. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I just think that I think the, the fun and functional, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a special piece that sits in your house that people want to go over to and look at. So it's this art as well as a functional a functional object and so i would tell all of you to check out the website too as we're talking about it or her instagram it's VirginiaSyn.com, just so you get an understanding of these objects that we're talking about all
0: awesome. right yeah i mean we are such fans i love your your, your everything you have is pretty muted but it is It shows through in your design and the playfulness, like what Jacqueline was talking about. And that's what I love about it is that, you know, there's not these like, like what we think of fun, like bright and in your face. It's, it's fun in a different way, like in a a subtle way. And, but it does feel truly special, you know? So you're bringing something into your house. It's something all the makers ideally it's what you're doing is you're putting yourself out there and then it goes into homes and then other people have conversations about it. And they, you know, I, I imagine it's like my mom, for instance, she has a problem <laughs> with, but <laughs> what are those things called, you know, oh my God, why is what I'm losing the word where there's like a knickknacks. She oh, has yeah. an amazing number of knickknacks. And since she has four daughters, she has four of every knickknack. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And to me, it just makes me feel the sense of anxiety inside when I see all these knickknacks, you know, these little bunnies with hats on them or, you know, crazy things, but she loves them, right? They're special to her. Whereas yeah. like in our generation, I think, especially with people who have the affinity for design and shapes and, but in a very subtle way, this is like the new the new version of that for many of us is the knickknack, but in a whole different light, you know? For sure. <laughs>
1: All right. So let's jump back into talking about, so the plate, the paper plate, the ceramic paper plate is what kicked you off. And then were you still at your full-time job and then left it for the ceramic yeah.
2: plate? Yeah. So the first paper plate was actually made with actual paper plates. So I would oh. take a paper shredder and shred them, and then make my own porcelain paper clay concoction, would dry out the clay, wedge it, and then form them into the paper plate form. Once you fire it, then you would see like the little like shredded paper pulp burn off and it would leave a lighter product. And those are the ones that are actually were acquired by the New York Historical Society Museum in their permanent collection. So that's super cool that uh. they're gonna be there forever. <laughs> <laughs> but that was sort of like, the launch. And then, you know, having working in advertising, it wasn't like I worked every single night and every single weekend during that stretch of time. I had a very demanding job. I traveled a lot for shoots. So there were some years where I was definitely more dedicated than other years, but I almost wanted to test if this was like a true passion. This sounds crazy, but I often like, if it was, if I truly wanted to uproot my life and career and go take this leap. It cannot be like a trend or a fad, right? Like I need to make sure I had the dedication. And so I think I continue to do it on the side and I continue to have the same amount of passion. And so that's when I was like, okay, it's not just because I don't have it that I want it. It's, it's truly something I need to just go ahead and do. So. When I left, I had already launched a new collection called the Coil Collection, which is what you guys see today. And my boyfriend, at the time now husband, bought me this extruder for Christmas. It was like the best Christmas present. Like he totally knew me. And I was like, what is this equipment? And like it really basically was the born of how the collection was born. And I made a bunch of those fruit bowls that you purchased at Field & Supply back at one of the first trade shows that I went to. And I only got one order like nobody really picked it up. And then I think it just took one more season. And then all of a sudden, I mean, to this day, it's still our bestseller. And so I had already hired one employee before I quit my job. So I was just really playing it safe. And I wanted to make sure there was like somewhat of a foundation before I I left, just because it is a huge lifestyle change.
1: (laughs) Did you have like a financial number in your head that you wanted to get it to before you felt comfortable leaving or like what was the thing in your brain that you're waiting for for you to feel safe enough to leave that's a
2: great question i wish i was you know i wish i could say there was a dollar amount you know that i thought it through that way i think i'm just too emotional i think i was just so unhappy it was more of like the threshold of like how <laughs> how much can you tolerate how much can i tolerate <laughs> and i reached it and i was like I was just, like, buying my happiness with things I didn't need. I'm going into work every day, like, just unhappy. It's like, I don't actually need any of these things. Like, none of these things make, like, it really did a lot of soul-searching to make this drastic leap. My, my copywriter partner, so in advertising, it's like, you know, you have, it's like cops, like you've got your your (laughs) partner and like, you just do everything with them. Also happens to be my best friend. And she was, you know, we were partners for seven years. And so that made it even harder to leave because it's like hanging out with your best friend every day and getting paid. Right. Like what? (laughs) So that sort of like slowed it down, but also having a supportive partner, like, you know, Ferdinand, my husband is, has always really believed in me from, from the very beginning. And you need that, like you need that support system. And he, he was like, what's the worst thing that can happen? You just go back and work in advertising. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, you have a backup plan. And Mm -hmm. I think, Part of the reason why I'm so motivated is because I don't want to ever go back. So I work so hard to make sure that that will never happen.
1: Mina and I say because Mina comes from an ads back advertising as well. But uh-huh. we we say like we don't even think we could we would qualify for our job. We're so anymore. unemployable at this point. We're like Starbucks. Yeah, She's gonna be a waitress. I'm be a waitress because. <laughs>
2: Make you more happy, probably right. And we love our we love our jobs now, right? Yeah,
0: I think you know finding your voice was probably the best. Though you did it in that way, right? You took your time in finding your voice. What were things that you felt that were a struggle at that very beginning? Then just you said the mission statement, but what were you finding that? Did you do more trade shows? How did how did you find your way?
2: Yeah,
1: because this is pre Instagram, right? This is two thousand seven, like social media. Yeah. It did not exist the way that it existed. Yeah.
2: I think you really have to like not worry about what other people think. And I know that's so cliche and it's so hard. I still obviously care. Like it's just human nature. But if you can train your brain every time you're doing that, every time you're trying to compare, every time you just want to make yourself feel bad by looking at what other people are doing, like it's, you have to like just tell yourself like that's you have to turn it off, right? And I think when you turn it off, then what turns on are all the things that make you who you are and that inspire you. And it comes from an authentic place. Then your story will be authentic, right? And then your products and your brand will be like differentiating because it's just who you are. And there it's there, there's no way of replicating that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm not like religious. I'm like more like spiritual. I love like psychology. I love like Self care and all that stuff. So I try as much as I can to just like practice a lot of the things that I've learned either through therapy or like just meditation. And I think that completely impacts your work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does. Does. and
1: you have that trust that like if you took this great leap, that you would land where you needed to land. Right. And it does yeah.
0: take. I mean, entrepreneurship is an exercise in self reflection. I mean. <laughs> You know, it's like a whole, like, how much can you handle through this entire journey? Because it's constant change. So it's a lot about reflecting and and seeing how you react to change, even if you don't want to. So I think that you've done that beautifully. So did you start out doing trade or how did you begin that journey of, of transition from, yeah, from transition to after you quit your job?
2: So I had done a trade show i did I did two trade shows while I was still working, so I took p t o days off to do one of the trade shows and I had my own booth, which trade shows new York now okay yeah, and then the one the trade show prior to that was like a group show which I did through a m d c American design club, and so you pay like a smaller fee and then you 're just showing amongst other designers mm-hmm. that was terrible, like no one bought anything. <laughs> And then, so, you know, it's definitely, sometimes you could be, a lot of it is timing, right? And like, whether or not your product is not ready for the market, and you just have to believe in it. Like, and I think I was just I like to tell myself, like, if you didn't, if like when you do outreach, right? Like, if you didn't hear back from that person, it doesn't mean that they don't want to work with you. It just means that they were busy. So you need to write them again, right? So that kind of mentality is very much how I sort of always approach, especially in the very beginning of building the company, like just that resilience and not letting like these small failures like stop me from taking the next step, you know, forward and. Of course, you don't want to, you have to also be like self-aware, like if it's not working and everybody's telling you it's not a good design or it's telling you the same thing, then maybe you need to listen to them. But it's finding that balance for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Your first collection, when you went to the trade show, was it a large collection? Did you stay kind of small and on certain pieces?
2: It was just the gluttony collection. So it was the paper plates. And then it was my cups, oyster plate. It was like maybe 12 pieces. And then I had some money clips, some brass money clips. So it was pretty small because it was a group show. We only had like an allocated, like a small allocated on a space. And, you know, some people were interested in the money clips, but they were too expensive. And then most people were not interested in the gluttony collection because I learned very quickly that... The dinnerware was not typically going to, you know, it was not something that you would sell a lot of in a gift show. I think dinnerware is also tricky when you manufacture in the U.S. because we're used to, like some, like, some of the majors, like CB2. A lot of those are produced overseas, and so the price point was an issue. So I really had to find that audience. And so to this day, Food 52 is still, like, the perfect audience for that collection. So it was a lot of just testing around, yeah. Okay, so then, all right, so you
1: started off the traditional way, wholesale trade yep. shows, and cut to yep. this year. You've been yep. in bigger stores, so West Elm, and you were also in Madewell for the Hometown Heroes. And I love that you've yeah. sort of gotten into these bigger stores, but it's in it's in a different way, right? It's in featuring yeah. small business or you know, local uh, right they were featuring cities.
2: Yeah, so Hometown Hero was specific to each town, yeah, each city. And they select a handful of different makers. And so, you know, you you can either produce like exclusive products for them, which we did a colorway for one of our best sell a different colorway for our best selling candlestick, or you can, you know, offer some of your core collection pieces. And so, you know, we thought it was an incredible marketing opportunity. And so, you know, that's why we were like, this is definitely a no brainer. We want to work with Madewell. And I also think that, you know, we have different types of like the sin persona, we like to call it. So I think Madewell really checked off one of those personas. And we definitely have like a Madewell girl that also is like a sin girl or persona gender neutral. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Gender neutral. That's right. I love
0: that because you, you know, it is hard knowing who your customer is. And I like that you're having certain personas. We call them shades of, (laughs) we should probably quit calling them shades of pink and red, but it's like, you know, the red hot is the one that's, you know, your, your gender neutral girl, (laughs) the one. And then shades of that is people who might not be as right on. Right. But they are, A certain shape. They're of still it. a customer. They're still a customer. That's right. They're kind yeah. of circling
2: you still. And then West Elm is we're part of the local West Elm program. So it's all local makers that make products in the US. So we don't that's like perfect for us. We're not trying to compete against products that are produced overseas. The customer that's already going there wants a locally made product. So yeah, those are like natural fits. And then Yeah, we've grown. We went the wholesale traditional route. And our goal is to grow our DTC. We grew a lot of it last year, but we want to keep doing that next year. And then by 2021, my goal is to have like half of our business coming from DTC. And we're doing it the traditional way, you know, like building the wholesale, getting customers to learn about us through other channels, and then slowly coming to our site because they want more. Yeah, we
1: we teach that in multi-stream we call it multi-stream machine, but multiple channels, multiple Mm -hmm. sales channels or platforms where you're getting in front of other people's audiences to sort of support
0: your brand. Yeah. And DTC for people who don't know what that is, that's direct to customer or direct to consumer. We call it B2C sometimes. So if there's any listeners that are confusing, that's the same thing. It's direct to your customer. Yeah.
1: So how did you then create those relationships? Let's say getting into West Elm or Meadwell.
2: Well, it didn't start with those relationships, right? So it started with like indie boutiques, right? Just like the smaller brick and mortar stores that, and it was a lot of outreach. It was just like what I was saying earlier you didn't hear back from them. You mean, it means you got to email them again and again, you know? And that's how I actually landed Toto Kalo and Need Supply. And it was just from me being like super persistent about it. So um, yeah, I think (laughs) that's how I did it. And then eventually one, it's like a snowball effect. You get into more stores. Like we're in a hundred and I think 40 stores. I have to check on the number, but I have a sales manager now and she's in charge of all of wholesale and she opens accounts, maintains like our current accounts and continues to build new relationships. And yeah, I think it's a huge, you know, huge huge part of the business still.
1: So when you were the sales yeah. you were the original salesperson for your products.
2: I mean it was the original like trash, everything. Trash, <laughs> powder, janitor. So like, yeah, janitor. That's word <laughs> trash take out wow. I that mean we so
1: cool. we're all in that way but a lot of a lot of we have it's we did a poll and a lot of our listeners
0: are introverts which is
2: Oh, uh, really?
0: Yeah. 85% yes. Yes. of them that responded to the thing which who knows? That might be, you know, bias because do extroverts reply in the same way introverts do? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but so many of them are...
2: Real life, right? If they, <laughs> yeah. Yes, so many they of want, them want to are vocalize
0: it. it.
1: <laughs> They're nervous to like pick up a phone or to send an email or, you know, really just make that first contact and then to, like you said, be persistent and continue to contact. So when you reached out to new stores, would you shoot them an email or would you call them? Or would you send an email, follow up with a call? Or was it all through email?
2: It was email and then multiple emails. If I didn't hear back from them and I really liked them, I would call, I would do store visits. Dating. Yeah. (laughs) You can't get rid of me. It's me again. Stalker. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I used, I don't know, people think that this is crazy, but I used to be really shy. No one believes me, but I used to be painfully shy. I was such a, you know, I was bullied. I was like just not a popular kid growing up. And I barely could talk. (laughs) And I think you just have to, sometimes you just have to like, I mean, I I wanted to be different. So I chose, I, I had to work through a lot of stuff and I'm very happy with, you know, who I am now and what I have to say and you don't like me, it's fine, you know? And those are fears that I had to get over. But you can also, I think, I know like my husband is introverted, but he can come off as extrovert, right? So like your outward facing persona doesn't have to match with, Who you truly are and how your friends know you. So, in business, you can't expect to get great results by not talking to anybody and being (laughs) converted. And you just have to channel this person that might not be who you really are if you're gonna do sales. And if it's really hard for you, that's okay too. Like, that's when you have to hire somebody. We're not all gonna be great at every single thing. You know, I'm terrible, by the way, at like time management. Like, I have been told by everybody on my team how I'm a time optimist and you know can't can't prioritize i need a lot of help with it and i constantly work on it because i get in my head i like get really excited i think things don't take as long as they actually do so you know we all have our strengths and weaknesses
1: i like that time
2: optimist i really like <laughs> they were that trying really hard to be <laughs> it's okay it's video it's not video yeah i think they're trying really hard to Be kind.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Give us longer time lead times, please. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your team then. You said you have five. Is it all ceramicists or what's the word?
2: Yeah. So we're still figuring out the word because I personally, I was like, are they, are we makers, but they're also designing? So this is new. So three of the five team members are what we would call like creatives because they're currently doing all of the manufacturing, fabrication, but they are I'm trying to get them to help with the design process more, right? So we never had the luxury of that in the past and now we're building in like really great timelines. I have someone on the team who's like incredibly organized, so we we're, we're going to have a plan for how we're going to do fall winter and you know everybody I'll create mood boards and similar to in advertising like propose like a brief tell them the categories that we're working on and then we do brainstorms together and then from there we you know we'll start doing like initial sketches and just really involve them in that process and then Jill who is our sales manager she relocated to DC she's able to re- to work remotely so she manages all of our wholesale relationships like I said earlier and some trade and then the Stephanie who is head of business and product development. She is a huge help in sort of, you know, all the things with business. So we're currently working on, for example, our cogs and figuring out our margins. She is wearing a lot of hats. So the funny story with her is when we, we when she applied for a job, it was for a fulfillment coordinator, part-time position. So she actually packed like th- over thousands of boxes, like last week. Wow on top of all of these business needs. And so we're trying to transition her out of that. Being small, you have to wear a lot of different hats. And so she's gonna, we're, the idea is to find truly that part-time coordinator to help, yeah.
1: Incredible. So yeah, we
2: all wear lots of hats.
1: Yep, the entrepreneur life. But it's <laughs> great when you get to take some of your hats off and put them on other people's heads. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, Virginia. So we like to end with some fun questions. And so the first one is, what is your coffee order?
2: Oh my God, it's new. So I sound so high maintenance, but you should try it. It's not that big of a deal. You want to get Americano in an extra large cup so you can have extra water. And then I like to also have extra oat milk. So Uh, basically, like a watered down Americano.
0: Oh my God, that's like Jacqueline's order right there, minus the water. (laughs)
1: People across the, minus the water, people across the country are now aware of oat milk lattes because of how often I talk about that. Yes, They're, okay. Yeah. <laughs> they're okay. okay. yeah. But she lives in Brooklyn. I live basically in New York. It's what we do. We have all, and yeah. she's from LA. We drink alternative milks and add things. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. that, that's right on with what I
0: thought your order was going to be.
2: Okay, yeah. I mean, when people see my coffee, they're like, is that a milkshake? Like there's so much milk in it.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So what is the favorite thing on your desk? Mm,
2: to be honest, I don't really have a desk.
1: Like, <laughs> Do you have a work table?
2: Yeah, but it's like shared. We're oh in like, yeah. yeah.
1: We're in the- so what's your favorite machine? Yeah.
2: Favorite machine. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's your
1: love language, right? <laughs>
2: Yes. So we just bought a Peter Pugger. It is a power wedging tile extruder, which we then put a custom die in to create this super fast extrusion, like extruder machine, so we can make our coils really, really fast. Awesome. Um, I think I saw saw that on your Instagram.
0: Oh my God. Did you, do you name, name your machines?
2: Peggy. Yes, her name is Peggy. Peggy, oh, I was
0: going to say, we have a lot of, we have one of our top masterminders. She names all her kilns.
2: Oh yeah, so, I do too.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing.
2: We have grandpa and, Grand. Uh, no, yeah, grandpa and grandson. Oh, <laughs> They're
0: cute. Not- so Peggy, grandpa and grandson. More yeah. More. <laughs> okay, so
1: finish this sentence. When I pick up my phone, I?
2: I immediately go to Instagram and I'm like, what did my thumb just do? How did I get there? Cause it's not even something I wanted to look at. It's just like the natural button to go to. And I'm like, why am I swiping? And then I just turn it off and I don't even remember what I'm seeing.
1: <laughs> God, it's probably so many of us are like that. The next question is you wish you knew how to. Ooh, fly. Oh, good one. And what was the last show you binge watched? Secession. So good. I'm obsessed. Yeah. We
2: saw saw Cousin Greg at a restaurant and then Kendall lives around the corner from us. So I'm constantly trying to find Kendall.
1: You're like, is this real life? Am I living in succession? These people are real. (laughs) What should the title in your email signature actually say? One woman marching band. Nice. Mm, I like it. And then this goes back to that persona because exactly what you said about showing up for a sales, you know, if you're a sales making sales calls. So do you have an alter ego or a stage persona?
2: I don't think so. You see what you get.
0: You turned into who you needed to be. Yeah. What is your most user favorite emoji?
2: Oh, this one.
0: Oh, wait, you can Oh, the face, the face palm. So it's the fa- the palm to the face. I use that one a lot too. So is it the black haired one?
2: Yeah. With the purple shirt. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> It's the shrug with the two hands up. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Lately, I've been doing the googly eye one. Oh, that um, good.
0: <laughs> and last question. We truly believe entrepreneur years are like dog years. You learn a lot very quickly. What oh would you God. say to baby Virginia in the beginning of your journey that you would tell her now that you're further along?
2: Corporate infrastructure is not all bad. It's okay to apply boundaries, policies, Manuals into a small business, managing is the hardest thing of the job. I wish I, I don't know, took more classes because I manage people in advertising, but it was more like, oh, that's a great idea. Come up with more. You know, it was just not mm-hmm. like critiques. This is completely different. Like you're the HR department, you someone says something inappropriate, you have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, there's just so much to learn and it's a lot of people's skills a lot of yeah. like yeah great advice such um, good advice right there so tell and
1: our that's the
2: truth that's
0: <laughs> the truth I want to say that's the truth
1: yeah one of one of the <laughs> hardest things i think is building is. your team and managing it mm-hmm. so tell our listeners how they can connect with you on social media or how they can check out your products and purchase them
2: yeah so our instagram handle is my first name last name virginia sin with two underscores and our web shop is com.
1: And we'll put those in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on and being so transparent and sharing so much. And thank you for being on
0: the podcast.
2: Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'm so honored. Thanks, Virginia.
0: This episode is over, but it doesn't have to end. Head over to our Facebook group, search for the Product Boss Biz Community, or the link is also in the show notes. Come connect with other product bosses just like you. We'll see you in there. If you love the Product Boss Podcast, we'd love
1: for you to subscribe, share, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, Product Bosses, let's make it happen.